Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 367 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger. He's a co-host. It is, of course, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Going to dive straight into the review part of the show. Then we're going to welcome our special guest this week. It will be John Ryder, an interview that I did on Tuesday of this week. So the day before Wednesday when the press conference took place. Um, So yeah, that is our special guest this week. And then of course we will finish the show with the news part and the preview part. Let's dive straight into the review part here. We're going to start at the Sports Car Devore. I don't know how to say it. The Sportska Dvorana in Zabok, Croatia. Doesn't really matter where it is, but we must always mention when a friend of the show fights. And it's not just a friend of the show, it's a friend of Eddie's as well. Ivana Habazin, now 21 and 4. A unanimous decision over 12, sorry, over 10 two minute rounds for the WBC silver welterweight title, which was vacant. Uh, Habazin was able to beat Diana Prazak, who's now 14 and 5. Moving out now to the Fabric Sports Hall in Frankfurt, Hessen, Germany over here um he's become a little bit of a um podcast favorite for me daniel diets um six and oh now seven and oh with seven ko's it's weird because every single time we see him fight usually puts on weight at every weigh-in but he seems to have been doing quite well recently he's dropped about 20 something pounds so he's like i say seven and oh with seven ko's a tko in round one against um, Grigory Kutasi, who's now five and sixteen, but the main event, Leon Bun, now eighteen and one. He lost his O by TKO to the undefeated fifteen and O now Padraig McCrory. It was in round six there to TKO for McCrory. He's the new IBO World Light Heavyweight Champion. Um, the title was vacant. Good stuff for McCrory. Um, as for Leon Bun, I. I didn't see this fight, I'm not going to lie, but I've heard that, you know, he was kind of not padding out his record, but, you know, having the having the right fights to keep his O intact, let's just say. And, um, yeah, they, they took a chance on McCrory. It was, I think, on paper, a winnable fight for Bun, especially if, you know, if it went the distance. But, yeah, McCrory turned up, and from what I've heard, his punch power... Um, played a massive part in the fight, and he was able to get that stoppage there. Moving out now to this one, it took place on uh, on Saturday. All the fights took place on Saturday, as far as I'm aware, apart from maybe... No, I think they all took place on Saturday. Uh, this one was in Mexico. You're going to get a piece of the Spanish pronunciation here, so sit back and listen. It was at the Plaza de Toros in Mexico. Um, 
not my best. But yeah, over here, the main event, Maurizio Lara now 25-2 and two with a draw, a KO in round three against Jose San Martin, who's now 33-6 and six, uh, with a draw. Of course, that was a matchroom show on the zone there. Um, Reshat Mati also was on the undercard there. He was able to get a unanimous decision win and remain undefeated. Um, he was able to beat Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, it was a tough fight for Reshat Mati. He, he said he felt awful. Um, blamed it on the high altitude in Mexico City. A couple of headbutts as well. But yeah, um, went the distance there. Like I say, first time to go 10 rounds as well. So all the best there to to Reshat Mati. Um, the other fights on the undercard weren't really up to much, to be honest with you. And the final fight to mention of the preview, of the review part of the show, sorry, uh, took place at the California Education and Performing Arts Center in Ontario, California, USA. Over here, friend of the show, Ernesto Mercado. And I believe his record, uh, his record as an amateur was 290 and 10. And I believe he was a 22-time national champion. He's only like 20 or 21 years of age. I don't know how often... In fact, I'm going to ask you, Eddie, how often do these national uh, championships come around as an amateur? How can you be a 22-time national champion and only be 20 or 21? There's several different tournaments. Um, you know, there's the National Golden Gloves. There's the ringside. There's the Ohio State Fair. Um... I think the silver gloves, it all depends on whether you're uh, open or, or, you know, open class or still junior, uh, junior Olympic tournaments, Pan Am games, things like that. They're all kind of games. There's, uh, there's a whole lot of different ways. So he's probably just constantly been in the Olympic program, always fighting at the national level. And, you know, it's, you get comfort, you do that for, you do that for long enough. You know, most of the guys you're fighting. And especially if you've been better than them pretty much your entire career, it's gonna it's gonna end up being that way. And twenty-two time national champ seems seems actually possible. And I think I've seen some, not that many times, but I've seen guys who won a lot of titles in the amateurs. Well, there you go. Thank you for clearing that up. But yeah, friend of the show, Ernesto Mercado, now eight and zero as a pro with eight KOs. He also won here the vacant. North American Boxing Association super lightweight title against Jason Velez, who's now 30 and 10 with a draw. Velez, usually a really tough guy. He's only been stopped now um, three times in his 10 losses, and they've been in good company. You know, he, he got stopped to, uh, to Oscar Valdez and Gabriel Flores Jr., and I said it on last week's show as well. He took Ryan Garcia the distance. He took Jojo Diaz the distance. He took uh, Rene Alvarado the distance. He took Ronnie Rios the distance. He took Evgeny Gradovich the distance. This guy has always been a really, really, really tough guy. And he's beaten a lot of good fighters. And, um, yeah, to get him out of there in six rounds when you've only had seven fights as a pro. And in those seven fights, I think he'd done... I think I think he'd actually done... I'm going to count here. All of his knockouts had come between uh, within, within two rounds prior to this. So, you know... He got he got his his his, his uh, first opponent out there in two, then one, then one, then one, then one, then two, then two. So what's that? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten rounds. And of course, those rounds weren't completed because he got a stoppage in six of them. If that makes any sense. So he hadn't done basically any rounds as a pro. Let's let's actually work that out. If he's done ten rounds as a pro, 
that would mean that he did one full round on his debut, then he put together four first round knockouts, so that was no rounds completed, and then he got two guys out of there, both in the second round, where he would have completed um, one round each in both of those fights. So he's, he's actually completed three rounds as a pro. And he's going in there with, with, with Jason Velez, of course, going six rounds and knocking him out. Uh, I believe Velez actually quit on his stall, but either way, wow, 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 wow. 290 and 10 as an amateur, 22-time national champion. Um, it's fantastic to say that we've had him on this show. We had him on a while back. I think it was last year now. And um, yeah, he is, he is perhaps really one to watch for the future. But anyway, that wraps up the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do just before we end this bit is to welcome our special guest this week, John Ryder, who I spoke to on Tuesday of this week. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the super middleweight contender himself, the Islington icon. It is, of course, Mr. John Ryder. John, welcome back on the show. Thank you for having me on again, Joey. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure speaking with you as well, John. So we last spoke back in January. It was a few weeks before the Danny du- uh, Danny Dubois, Danny Jacobs fight. Um, obviously, it was a fight you were the underdog for. However, you managed to clinch a split decision over the former champion at the Ali Pali. Um, best win of your career, John, maybe? Mate, first things first. Either I don't fight enough or we don't chat enough. Twice, twice a year is just not good enough, is it? <laughs> you can ring me whenever, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I have to start ringing you, mate. No, no deep breathing on the phone, you know, on call, no caller ID. <laughs> uh, yeah, career best win. Um, and you know, just a fight that you can learn so much from. Yeah. It wasn't physically draining or demanding. It was mentally fatiguing. I mean, I think for days after, the body healed up nicely, but the mind was battered. I think just the the little things you can learn from someone like Danny Jacobs up close inside. Who he recently wasn't the biggest puncher, but he was smart. He was clever. He knew how to tie you up inside. He knew how to negate what you was doing. I mean, when I was up close and I wanted to throw the left to the body and to the head, it just it it, it tuck up, it turn the head, and all would be there with the back of the head. And we know we can't throw the shots there, and uh, yeah, it just forces the referee to break. So. An invaluable experience moving forward. Did you say, John, that you didn't think he had much power? I didn't think um, his, his power was that. That I, I was surprised by his power. That it wasn't a lot harder. To be fair, I think um, he's got a good jab, a good sharp jab. Um, but I didn't think there was much. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was expecting more from him in, 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 the, in the power front. Hmm. What do you think of his speed? Um, speed was, the speed of the jab was good. It was hard to read. It was um, that's why my head was pinging back and forth every now and again. But um, yeah, I think listen. I think obviously over time his speed has probably diminished a bit uh, as he's, he's cracking on now in age and whatnot. But listen, at, at one point in career he was an absolute world beater and a great fighter. Do you know what I mean, he's a, a two-time middleweight champion. I know he stepped up to super middle, but what a great career he's had. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And of course, your next fight was announced just last week. You'll be boxing Zach Parker on November 26th at the O2 Arena. Surely this fight could have done big numbers in Derby, but it's happening in your backyard at the O2. I'm sure you're pleased with the location. Oh, I'm buzzing, yeah. But talk about being on an away show, but in your hometown. I mean, um, 
what what a touch really. I could have been in Nottingham or Derby, but listen, there was talks of being on the Fury undercard or or at the O2. So either way, I'm fortunate. But um, could have been at the Spurs Stadium in in North London, but we're uh, we head to Greenwich and uh, the O2 Arena. But no, I'm buzzing. We got a, we got a press conference tomorrow to announce it. Um, first time coming face to face with Zach, and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, um, it's, it's uh, I don't think either of us have boxed enough. Um, we're both coming off um, disappointments in, in fights not happening for us. I know he was chasing the Andrade fight for a while and it, it looked like it was going to happen and it didn't what, with the purse bid and stuff. And obviously, it was meant to happen earlier on this year. Myself with Jaime Munguia was chasing that fight, trying to make it happen. And, 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 and it's not come to fruition, but nothing gets the the, uh, the juices flowing like a, a domestic clash. And I think... Um, I think the fans are in for a treat. And you're the underdog here, John, and we've all heard of a thing called the underdog mentality. But to have that mentality, I feel like you have to believe you're deserving of being the underdog. A great example is your last fight against Danny Jacobs. You were the rightful underdog. Look at his achievements. And probably you did have that underdog mentality. You explained that you maybe overestimated his power and other things. But for this fight, do you have that mentality? Can you understand why you're the underdog here? Uh, I, I can't. I don't, listen, he's he's twenty and he's undefeated. Um, I've definitely mixed it with a better caliber opposition. But listen, I'm happy. Um, I like it with my back's against the wall, and um, it's just down to me to come out swinging. But um, I don't I, I don't know how bookies gauge ga- like gauge their odds and whatnot. But listen, I'm I'm just I'm happy if um, my people can earn a bit of money on the night. Then then so be it. And what do you make of Zach Parker, John? Because he's shown, I think, undeniable class at times in the past. Um, he wasn't w- with a big promoter until fairly recently. You know, he doesn't have anywhere near the profile of a man that's been number one to Canelo's title for over two years. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's shown us at times he- he's very good. Well, listen, he's, he's not put a foot wrong yet. Um, I know he briefly signed to the Salons for a period of time years ago, but I don't think that ever gain too much momentum but yeah I mean he's signed with Frank Warren now and Frank seems to be backing him to the hill so um, he's in a good place now he's uh, he's got his point of backing and, and uh, yeah I'm sure he's looking to come out and make a statement and how do you see the fight playing out? Because even though, as I say, the bookies have got him the favourite, you've upset the odds more times than I can remember and you're coming off your career best win as we said earlier on, you're in great form here Yeah I think well, listen, activity is is on. We've both not been the most active fighters. I don't think he's boxing since November. I boxed in February, but listen, there's, there's not much in it. Do you know what I mean, we're, um, we're, we're. I'm sure we're both always in the gym, ticking over. I know myself, I am. I'm always keeping fit and keeping on top of things. But I just think it's, it's, it's a great fight. It's um, it's got a potential to be as easy as hard as we make it. Um, I'm not sure as as that temperance going to hold up and. If he's going to come out swinging or go for it or try and box, but that'll all be, we'll know when the first bell rings for the first round. And I have absolutely no idea how well tickets are doing. You'd probably know more than me. But to have this fight at the O2 Arena, um, it can be a challenge to sell out the venue at the best of times. Obviously, after it was announced, Eddie Hearn announced the Dillian White card, which also takes place in London on the same night. Um, I think a lot of people feel that Parker Ryder is the better of the two main events, but 
a lot of people are thinking that the white undercard is perhaps better at the minute than what they've announced for your undercard with Zach. How well is it going in terms of ticket sales, or is that not something you're really too bothered about or privy to, maybe? Well, as far as I know, I don't think a ticket has been sold yet. I think the tickets go on sale at midday oh, tomorrow. So, um, how bad am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm I think um, I'm, I'm pretty sure tickets go on sale tomorrow, um, which is not giving it a, a great bit of time to sell. Yeah. But um, listen, I'm sure they've they've got provisions in place and they're they're expecting good sales. I know they've got Hamza Shiraz on the on the show, who's a, a great ticket seller. Um, and a, a couple of younger fighters who, who do well with the tickets. So hopefully we can put on a good show. No, for sure, for sure. And one thing that I noticed, um, in my digging at least, was that Zach Parker, as far as I'm aware, has never boxed a southpaw since turning pro. Is that is that something you realised as well? I've not, I've not actually noticed that yet, no. But I know he, he obviously likes to switch about himself, so... Um... Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm sure he's uh, he's mixed it with southpaws and sparring and whatnot. But um, I'll have to yeah, I'll have to check that out and see if he has faced any southpaws in the past. Yeah, I don't think he has. And surely, John, the winner of this fight, surely gets a crack at Canelo. Please. Well, you would like to think so. What would it be in the interim? But um, listen, we can't. I think our careers have both been stagnant in the past year or so. I mean, I've had one fight. He's not boxing since November, but. We can't be waiting around for Canelo if he's out till September time. Uh, the winner of this belt needs to just keep busy. There's still going to be other big fights out there. Um, but the biggest fight is happening November 26th between me and him. And then the winner goes on. And the super middleweight division, I mean, because Canelo's the main man, obviously, with the belts and stuff, if he's not doing anything, not much else is happening in the division. Um, one thing, though, that did happen that was massive the other week, I'm sure you probably did see it, Caleb Plant's knockout against against Darrell. Oh, my goodness. Did you see that? Yeah, I mean, what what a shot. Um, so well put together. Um, I think anyone's ever done that to Darrell before, have they? Yeah. But, um, and I think there's talks of him and... Um, Benavides, so hopefully that can be made and then we'll see who the, the number one is in the WBC and, and who's going to march on then, but listen, these, these interim belts are handy, especially when you've got a champion like Canelo who's got everything wrapped up and he's, he's out for the foreseeable, so the likes of Benavides and Plant getting it on for a for a, um, a, a WBC title is a, is a great thing and they both put themselves in position for a great fight with the likes of Canelo. Yeah, no, I cannot wait. I, I really think that that's a great fight as well, Benavidez Plant, if we do see it. Just finally, John, before I let you go, if you've got any closing words to the listeners, uh, you said it yourself, we don't speak enough. That's your fault, not mine. <laughs> but what have you got to say uh, to the listeners? <laughs> no, just thanks for the support of your channel. Um, tune in November 26th and to give you all a good win again. There we go. Listen, John, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. You know that. Best of luck November 26th at the O2, and we'll speak sometime after. Cheers, Joe. Thank you very much, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. Boxer have announced a card for Sunday, the 27th of November. So that's Sunday the 27th so that's the day after the 26th which is the Saturday where there's quite a lot of boxing on we've got John Ryder fighting Zach Parker we just spoke to John there and we've also got Dillian White um, you know topping a card as well against against Jermaine Franklin of the USA um, 
so yeah, they're going to clash, unfortunately. But there's boxing on the Sunday, so they've sensibly moved it to a Sunday. Um, and and yeah, it's a decent card, obviously. But the bad thing about the Sunday is that everyone's got work on the Monday. So we're gonna we're gonna see what's happening here. I think it's all gonna happen um, in the afternoon, in the early afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, let's go through the card. We've got. Uh, Lerone Richards, friend of the show, getting in with Zach Chelly. We've got Adam Azim getting in with Ryland Charlton. We've got Sam Gilly, friend of the show, um, getting in with Sean Robinson. We've got Mikel Lowell getting in with Dion Juma. And we're also going to see friend of the show, Shannon Ryan, back out in action. And also Hassan Azim, that one to go down at the Ali Pali again. That to be Sunday, November 27th. Um, Dillian White, as I just mentioned there, returns to the ring against Jermaine Franklin. It's going to be going down at the OVO Arena, basically the Wembley Arena, November 26th. Um, yeah, obviously Jermaine Franklin, uh, the undefeated American from Michigan, looking to make a statement. This is his moment, of course, to, to make a big splash against Dillian White who's coming off that battering, really, back in April against Tyson Fury. On the undercard, really good heavyweight fight for the vacant British heavyweight title. Fabio Wardley gets in with Nathan Gorman. We've also got Craig Richards, friend of the show, getting in with Rickards Bolotniks, a guy who um, beat Josea Burton in Latvia and went on to lose to Josh Buatzi. And Craig Richards, of course, just lost to, uh, to Josh Buatzi, so he... Uh, he returns in a good fight here. And also we're going to see, I can't remember the lady's first name, um, Magali. Magali Rodriguez um, defends her WBC silver super lightweight title against Sandy Ryan. Um, that's it, I believe, for the big fights on the card, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I guess there's going to be a few more added to it, but that's a, that's a card that's stacking up there. Um what else do we have? What else do we have? This one as well. It's been announced to go down in Omaha, Nebraska, December 10th. Terence Crawford obviously won't be fighting Errol Spence, but he does get in there with David Avanesian, the Armenian fighter who US fans will know. Obviously, they will know him stateside. He's been out there, beaten Shane Mosley, been out there, uh, lost to Lamont Peterson. Um you know, over here in the UK, we know him very well. He was able to derail Josh Kelly's career. They know him over in Spain. He beat the hell out of um, Kerman Leharaga. And he's, he's you know, in, in, in the form of his career, really, he's got that kind of strange loss. He had a few fights back to the meme machine. But since then, he has come on leaps and bounds. And, um, yeah, it's it's a shame, obviously, we didn't get to see the super fight between Crawford and Spence. It's a fight that the whole boxing world wanted. And I think people, especially in the US, are quite annoyed with this fight going ahead. And I can understand why. It's because we wanted that Spence fight. We all did really want that, that, that unification between the two undoubtedly uh, best fighters in the, in the division at 147. But without that fight going ahead... Um, the other opponents in line, I think, there aren't many. There aren't many. The options at the minute are a little bit scarce. And um, I will say that I'm happy for David Avenesian to get his crack here. And if Terence Crawford is overlooking Avenesian, um, you know, he could he could be in some real trouble because Avenesian is a tough guy who's going to bring it to Terence Crawford. But obviously Terence Crawford's a huge favourite and, and rightly so. 
But yeah, I think a lot of people, especially in the US, are airing their frustrations and unfortunately taking it out a little bit on Avenesian, which has got nothing to do with Avenesian. Um, you know, people are taking their frustrations out on him. And I think it's just because, A, we didn't see the spent super fight, which hasn't hasn't really got anything to do with David. And B, you haven't seen Avenesian fight. Because if you have seen him fight, you know that he, you know, has got a lot of guts, got a lot of heart, very strong, very tough, very durable, and always seemingly in in, in exciting fights, especially in the last few he's had. So yeah, all the best to David uh, to David Avenesian, friend of the show. I'd love to see him pull the upset, but it is a big ask, of course. Uh, elsewhere, we have this one. It's been announced as well for the WBA super middleweight title. David Morrell gets in with the unbeaten Aidos Yebosnuli. I am not sure if I'm butchering that name. I probably am. Um, but yeah, on the undercard, we're also going to see um, Jason Rosario Banana getting in with the Cuban um, Yoelvis Gomez. That one should be interesting as well on that undercard there. We've got another one here as well. Sonny Edwards defending his IBF World Flyweight title against Felix Alvarado. That one to go down in Sheffield. Um, that's going to be Friday, November 11th. We're also going to see Shabazz Massoud on, on the co-main event getting in with Jack Bateson. Uh, that's going to be a really good fight there for the WBA Intercontinental Super Bantamweight title. Again, that's at the Utilita Arena in Sheffield, Friday the 11th of November. Um, I think that is about everything, to be totally honest with you. Um, yeah, I think that's about everything for the news. So a few little bits to go through there. Moving on now to the preview part. We're going to start here in Poland at the Nosolawi in Dwar. Zakopane over here. Matthias Mastanek, 46-5, gets in with Jason Waterley, who's 10-0. It's 12 rounds, Eric Cruiserweight. We've also got Christoph Vladarczyk, 60-4 with a draw, getting in with Abraham Tabal, who's 18-6 with a draw. That's eight-rounder there at Cruiser. Uh, moving out now to the Irina Vina Gymnastics Palace in Moscow, Russia over here. Alexei Papin, 35 years of age now, I believe he is, and he had that... That really, really close fight with, um, I always forget the guy's name, Ilunga Makabu. And, you know, I think he lost a split decision to him, and it was for a world title. And I thought he may have nicked it. It was really, really, really close. And since then, he's just been so inactive. And he's 14-1, and one, you know, hasn't had many fights. He's here in a 10-rounder against the undefeated Damir Belgio, who is 26-0. and 0. But I'm hoping this is some kind of eliminator because he needs to get back on track. I mean, this guy could have won a world title, but he's just really inactive and obviously getting up there in age. And yeah, time is not on his side. Moving out now, though, to the Wembley Arena in Wembley, London, United Kingdom over here. Let's start with the undercard. We've got the Rom football, Johnny Fisher, 6-0, and getting in with Dominic Muzil, who's 7-4. and that's over six rounds there. We've got Jordan Reynolds, 3-0, getting in with Jose Clavero, who's 16-18. and 18. We've got John Hedges, 6-0, getting in with Ales Makovec, who is 3-0. That's over six rounds there at light heavy. Uh, we've got Mary Romero of Spain, 8-2, getting in with Ellie Scottney, 
who is 5-0. That's for the U, uh, the EBU European Super Bantamweight title over 10 two-minute rounds at Super Bantamweight. We've also got Katie Taylor defending her undisputed titles, IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO lightweight world titles against the undefeated Karen Carbajal, who's 19-0. That's over 10 two-minute rounds. We've got Gary Cully, 14-0 in a 10-rounder here against Jowd Belmedi, who is 16-0 with three draws. Um, I think this, yeah, this will be Gary Cully's first fight with Eddie Hearn. And I think Gary Cully's a really exciting prospect. And then I believe this night can't be the main event. It's going to be the chief support, I'm guessing. Jordan Gill, 27-1 and with a draw. Getting in with former world champion Kiko Martinez, 43-11 and with two draws. It's for the EBU European featherweight title. I would have said a few fights ago when Jordan Gill was, was, was unbeaten, I would have said that he's going to probably just walk through Kiko Martinez. But it's funny because Kiko Martinez unexpectedly become champion again by knocking out um, um, Kid Galahad. And Jordan Gill, of course, lost um, his O, didn't he, um, unexpectedly, and then came back and had that I think it was that that fight against I believe it was Karim Gwerthy where he was absolutely like there for the taking he was on the ropes he couldn't move he was in massive trouble the towel could have come in but he managed to pull the knockout off and turn the fight on its head so I I'm I'm just not too sold on Jordan Gill I don't know where his ceiling is he's got quite a padded record cuz you know those 27 wins he's racked up um, are against quite questionable opposition really and this is his 30th fight here. And he's got some mileage on the clock and hasn't really got himself... Well, I suppose he's got himself to European level. You can't really, you know, you can't really knock him for that. But Kiko Martinez, at times he's looked finished. Then he can turn something around out of nowhere. And he's definitely got the power. And as for Jordan Gill, I mean, same for him. He, he has been in massive trouble at times and come to turn the fight around. And he's also been in fights where you think he's going to win easy and he's he's really had big trouble. So, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, it's going to be interesting, that fight there. I tell you, that that's a, that's a tough one to pick a winner there. Moving out now stateside to the Jilla River Arena in Glendale, Arizona, USA. It's going to be live on US, um, US Showtime pay-per-view. Uh, we're going to keep this extremely short, but Jake Paul 5-0 gets in uh, with Anderson Silva 3-1 as a pro. It's over eight rounds there at light heavyweight. Anderson Silva, of course, was able to beat by split decision Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. last year. He's definitely got the experience on his side, that's for sure. But um, yeah, the bookies can't seem to split the pair as well. Like As far as what I've seen, it's a real 50-50 fight in terms of the bookmakers. So, um, yeah, be interesting, that fight there. I'm going to have to say I will be tuning in somehow to see what happens there. Uh, moving out now to the Pechanga Arena in San Diego, California over here. It's going to be live on the zone. It's a good card, actually. We've got Alexis Rocha, 20-1. and one. That's the guy that knocked out Blair Cobbs. He gets in with Jesus Campos, who's 24-3. and three. That's over 10 rounds there. Um this one here, Hector Valdez, 15-0, getting in with the undefeated Max Ornelas, who's 15-0 with a draw. That's over 10 rounds at Super Bantam. Somebody's O must go. We've got um, 
nothing else really on the undercard to mention, but the main event is a really good fight. Joseph Jojo Diaz, friend of the show, 32-2 and with a draw, gets in with William Zapida, 26-0. and Zapida's a guy that seems to be getting better and better all the time. It's quite scary as well, because I don't think when he turned pro, you know, much was expected of him. I don't think he had a stellar amateur career, as far as I'm aware. But he turned over. He's been a pro now for um, just almost seven years, and he's just been banging people out. And he's been, you know, getting in with, getting in there with guys that are supposed to be a challenge and banging them out of there. He did go the distance last time out against Rene Alvarado, but prior to that, I think he'd put together something like. Phew, I don't know, like 10 or 12 knockouts in a row, you know? So he was on a hell of a run, and he still is on a hell of a run, still undefeated. Just because he went the distance with Rene Alvarado doesn't mean too much. He's a tough, tough guy. But he gets in with Joseph Jojo Diaz, who, again, is coming off that loss to Devin Haney um, almost a year ago. Now hasn't boxed since then. Devin Haney, of course, has you know, boxed for the undisputed titles twice. So, yeah, um, a bit of ring rust, perhaps, for Jojo Diaz. We'll see. I hope that he can do the business. I do like Jojo. And then moving to the Madison Square Garden Theatre in New York. Um, again, all these shows are going to be clashing. This one's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Let's start with the undercard. Two undefeated guys at Super Featherweight go at it. Haven Brady Jr., 7-0, gets in with Eric Mondragon, who's 8-0 with a draw. We also have the grandson of the greatest, Nico Ali Walsh, 6-0 in a six-rounder against Billy Wagner, who's 5-2. We also have Richard Torres Jr., 3-0. Last time, he, he, he showed us that disgusting, Disgusting knockout, probably my knockout of the year. Um, last time I saw him fight, three and zero. He's in a six rounder here, of course, at heavyweight against Ahmed Hefni, who's thirteen and two. We also have Rabisi Ramirez, ten and one, getting in with Jose Romero, who's twenty six and two. That's a ten rounder there, and then all eyes to the main event: Vasil Lomachenko, sixteen and two. Gets in with Jermaine Ortiz, undefeated 16-0 with a draw over 12 rounds. Um, Eddie, I am obviously from the UK. I hadn't heard many things about Jermaine Ortiz. Obviously, I've heard of like a million different fighters, but I knew who he was, but I hadn't hadn't really seen much of him. And he wasn't on my short list of guys to you know, to, to keep an eye on because they're such a special fighter. However, as the fights got closer and closer, I'm seeing a lot of guys, um, even trainers, you know, top, top trainers, guys with big reputations in boxing over in the States, saying that this Ortiz guy is quite a special kid. And apparently, uh, Lomachenko could have his work cut out despite being a huge favorite with the bookies. Wow, well, I mean, honestly, I really don't know much about him either, honestly. He beat Jamel Herring uh, last time out. He he retired Jamel Herring back in May this year. Uh, wow. Honestly, I, I, I and that's crazy. That, I mean, that's, you know, yeah, wow. Yeah. I, did I, I think, did I watch that? I'm trying to remember if I've seen it. Because I remember, I remember him announcing his, you know, his retirement after the fight. I just can't remember if I've seen it or not. But I did hear, obviously, I've obviously been hearing good things about him. People talking about he's going to be one of the top guys in the world. And, you know, that's great. But I really haven't. It's hard for me to make a decision on somebody I really haven't seen much of. You know what I mean? Or any of, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, but if he's what they say he is and 
like you said, a lot of top trainers, a lot of really respectable uh, fighters and trainers out there talking about how great, you know, how great he can be. I think, yeah, I think you got to really take heed. And, and it, I mean, this is a heck of a fight for Lomachenko to, 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 to be into. And I mean, you know, obviously just the main event, obviously is a big, you know, uh, you know, it's a Lomachenko card. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of interested in, in, in seeing it now, especially since, you know, a lot of people think it's a possibility that he actually will lose this fight. So, yeah, would you would you say, Joe, that they're thinking this is a 50-50 fight? Would you say that? No, I mean, basically, you know, he's an American guy. And in mm-hmm. my opinion, um, you know, I'm not that surprised to see a lot of Americans saying that, oh, this is a this is a hard fight. I don't know if they're being a little bit biased there or maybe, th- I mean, they should know more about Ortiz than I do. I'm sure they do know more about Ortiz than I do. But I don't know if they're... Um, if they're, you know, putting a bit too much confidence in him because he's American or what. But apparently, he's he's pretty good, and Lomachenko could have a hard night here. But I also heard mm. that I think they'd done a few rounds sparring before, and, you know, I don't see Lomachenko taking a fight against a guy who's going to give him fits um, when, mm. it's not, when it's not for a title on the line. So I'm not sure who to believe, but he's a huge, huge, huge favourite um, um, Lomachenko. I think... If I'm not mistaken, um, Ortiz is about eleven to one underdog. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, look, if you're thinking about names and resumes and things like that, and what Lomachenko has done, uh, you, you you would obviously have to favor him. But you know, it's it's just like when he fought uh, uh, Lopez. You know, you, you you would expect him to be able to win and. But sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. You know what I mean? It was, you know, people, Lopez was obviously a good, really high level young fighter that we've seen do well in the past, but we didn't know how good he would be on the night. And he actually turned out to be pretty damn good. So, um, you know, this, I don't know if this kid is in, in you know, in, in the same neighborhood as, uh, as Lopez is, but, um, you know, if he can come somehow upset. Lomachenko in this situation, if, if people really do think he has a chance, I think we really need to pay attention to it. I mean, I'm not, you know, take people's word for things. You kind of watch the guy, you kind of look at, you know, look what his style is, how he moves, how he fights, the level of competition you know, that he's had up to this point, and you take in, consider, in consideration what he's uh, what he's going to do or what you would think he would do against a guy like Lomachenko. We still got to remember though, Lomachenko is Lomachenko. You know what I mean? I don't, I haven't seen him drop you know, steps or anything like that necessarily. He's obviously a little older than, than in the past and, and things like that, but he still shows that he's still top quality. So um, we still have to remember that this kid is stepping in there with him. So it it will be interesting to see the fight, honestly, and what happens in it. So I'm kind of looking forward to it now, especially hearing this. Yeah, I mean, hopefully those guys that I've seen online um... – American-based trainers and fight fans. Hopefully, they're right about um, Ortiz. We don't want to see, you know, Lomachenko in a gimme fight. Not that I think he has many, if any, gimme fights at all, anyway. But um, yeah, we don't want to see him win too easily, as he has done with guys that he's supposed to struggle with in the past. We're gonna, we're gonna hopefully see a good fight here, and it's always entertaining watching Lomachenko go to work. I think. Um, moving out here to this one, it takes place on Sunday. 
um, at the Premier Ballroom in Richmond Hill, Ontario, Canada. Over here we have Junlong Zhang, 19-0 with 18 KOs, the Chinaman. Um, he's back in a 12-rounder here against German Montez, who's 7-4. He was supposed to fight a few weeks ago, Zhang. For whatever reason, the fight fell through and... Yeah, he's back out here. It's been rescheduled. I'm not sure if it's the same opponent, to be totally honest, but yeah. And then the final card to mention takes place on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, November 1st. It's going to be on ESPN Plus if you're interested in it. It's a card going down at the Super Arena in Saitama, Japan. It's a card packed full of um, good fighters at the lower weights, obviously, and it's certainly a card for the hardcore boxing fans. Let's start with the undercard. We've got Junto Nakatani, former WBO World Flyweight Champion, undefeated 23-0. He steps up here to Superfly. He gets in with Francisco Rodriguez Jr., um, of Mexico. We also have Jonathan Gonzalez, 26-3 with a draw, stepping in with Shokichi Iwata, who's 9-0. That's a defense there of Gonzalez's WBO World Light Flyweight title. We also have Shuichiro Yoshino, 15-0, getting in there with Masayoshi Nakatani, 20-2. That's for the WBO Asia Pacific Lightweight title. And then the main event, if I'm not mistaken, Kenshiro Teraji, 19-0, stepping in with the undefeated Hiroto Kayaguchi, 16-0, over 12 rounds, of course at super fly, at light flyweight I should say for the WBA super and WBC world light flyweight titles um yeah it's obviously a unification between these two um and yeah for me I don't know who's going to win that but I quite enjoy watching watching um Haroto Kaiguchi fight he can bang as well for a light flyweight he's got dynamite in those fists um so yeah that's one certainly there for the for the hardcore boxing fans on tuesday in japan but anyway that brings the preview part to a close in part one we did the review part we welcomed our special guest john Ryder. in part two i did the news eddie didn't do much talking on this week's show we tried to run for it as quick as possible and yeah, we just wrapped up the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 367 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A special thank you to our special guest. Always fantastic having him on. The super middleweight contender, John Ryder, of course. And the biggest thanks of all goes out to you, the listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in once again. Remember, if you do have a spare minute, please leave us a review on iTunes. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.